Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today uh, from our gospel reading, I'd invite you to turn to page three in the service folder. The text is printed out there as well as uh, a sermon outline for you to follow along. Jesus said, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. This is our text. There were a lot of times during Jesus' ministry when he was left alone. Many of those times, that's what he wanted. He, he withdrew from the crowd so that he could be alone to pray. But there was one time when that was not his desire. And he knew this time was coming and it was a terrifying thought for him, a time when he would be all alone. And that's the background, really, for um, our gospel reading today. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room on Maundy Thursday. Those very disciples whom he knew shortly would desert him, leaving him all alone. He also knew that the very next day his own father would forsake him, leaving him alone on the cross to bear the sins of the world. In our text, Jesus is, is looking past that, down the road 40 days after his resurrection, trying to prepare the disciples for that day, that day when he would be leaving them. Leaving not abandoning. He goes to some lengths to assure them that while he would be leaving them behind, he would never leave them alone. He makes that same promise to each of us. In our text and other places in the Bible too, of course, but in our, in our text we discover that he was leaving, I'm going to give you a couple of the blanks in the sermon outline right now. Uh, he was leaving for a reason and for a purpose and also for, and that's the third blank, but I'm not going to give you that one. We'll see if you can come up with it by the, by the end of the sermon. Jesus was leaving for a reason. It was time for him to go home. They were waiting for him there to give him a hero's welcome. What a reception that must have been. Although that was not the reason that Jesus was leaving, that, that he couldn't wait to get that party started, to start receiving all the accolades that, that he so richly deserved. No, he went back to heaven because his work on earth was done. The full price for our sin had been paid. There was nothing more that he needed to do here. His work was done. And yet at the same time, it was actually just starting. But he needed to, ro uh, to relocate for that to happen because it is from heaven where our Lord now is, is watching over us, guiding and guarding, directing and protecting us. His throne in heaven is the perfect vantage point from which 
to do that. And so when you think in the Apostles' Creed, which we're going to uh, speak together before too long, we're told that uh, Jesus ascended into heaven and, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. How do you picture Jesus in heaven? Is he in something like a, like a lazy boy where he's relaxing after a job well done and reflecting on, on what all of that means? That's not the picture that we should have. There's not a perfect analogy uh, but about the closest that I could come up with is, is, think of him when he's seated at the right hand of God the Father on his throne there in heaven. It's not a lazy boy by any means, but maybe it's more like, a, like the, the chair in the, in the office from which Jesus is able to keep an eye on, on everything and, and make sure that things are done the way that he wants the Apostles' Creed tells us why Jesus left, gives us the reason. He ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's where he continues to serve his people to this day. That was the reason for his leaving. But there's also a purpose for it, especially for the fact that, that he left without us, that he left us behind not alone, left us behind. And the purpose is that we might pick up where he left off. Jesus needs us to witness and to serve, and we are the best ones for that job. Now that might sound a little incredible. In fact, it does even as I'm saying it, that Jesus needs us and that, that we are the best ones for the job. And, and yet it's so true. It's really what he had said just a little bit earlier that same evening when he, when he told his disciples, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and then get this greater works than these he will do because Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. The book of Acts is the record of those greater works that were done. Done by those very apostles whom Jesus had left behind. They fulfilled his purpose in leaving them behind, even though they, like you and I, were, were probably unlikely servants. Like Paul. In our first reading today, you may recall that when we first meet him in the book of Acts, his name is Saul, not Paul, but, but his name got changed because his life was changed, transformed from one of persecuting the gospel to proclaiming the gospel, from actively opposing God's will to carefully seeking and following God's will. Paul's vision in the night of the person from Macedonia um, saying, come over here and, and help us, was a clear call to service. But it wasn't the only one in that first scripture reading today. There was another one. Maybe you noticed it. It was the, the call to Lydia. A call that she recognized when she heard the word of the gospel and, and was baptized. And then began immediately looking for ways to serve her Savior. 
Maybe you noticed that. Maybe not. It's, they don't make a big deal of it. But did you, know, did you notice what she did? She urged Paul and, and Luke, the one who uh, was with Paul and others, to come and stay with her, to let her serve as their host while they were in Macedonia. I don't know this, but I'm going to guess that Lydia thought that the service that she wanted to provide was, was probably pretty insignificant. And maybe you think it was too, and then maybe it was. But think about this. It was significant enough for God to see to it that it was included in the Bible. You know, sometimes the service that we render to our Lord can seem to us to be pretty insignificant. But it is never an insignificant thing to answer the call of the Lord. And we've each received such a call, a call to service. Nothing as dramatic as a vision in the night, at least not for me. Actually, I'm glad for that because I can point to something, and you can too, that, that is um, actually more certain to that some, than that, something more concrete, an event to which we can point, a, a date that we can place on the calendar. Because at least for most of us, our initial call to service came at our baptism. Now, that's not the main thing that baptism is. Primarily, it is an invitation to God's family. But it is also a call to God's service. And that call comes to us every day, many times a day, to serve the one who has so graciously and and selflessly served us. On this Memorial Day weekend, our thoughts naturally turn to to service and and sacrifice. As we recognize the valor and and the sacrifice of those who answered their country's call to service, and and especially those who gave up their lives in, in carrying out that service. But you know, every weekend, we recognize the love and the sacrifice of Jesus who gave his life for us and for all people. The appropriate response for Americans on Memorial Day is to remember those who have died in the service to our nation, but then also to reflect on the depth of, of that sacrifice and, and of the sacrifice of their families that they left behind. And then finally, to respond with a determination ourselves to be loyal and and patriotic citizens. Followers of Jesus have, have much the same kind of response to his sacrifice as we recommit ourselves to serving him every day in in many ways, many of which I know seem to us to be small and, and insignificant. I thought about that after another incident at the uh, McDonald's drive through Some of you may uh, recall that some time ago I mentioned my uh, frustrations with how people don't obey the rules uh, for using both of those lanes. Well, something happened last Saturday, and it was about noon, 
after a pretty long and busy week for me and a, and a full morning's work in the office, I was really looking forward to, to driving through McDonald's, getting a cup of their delicious coffee, heading home, getting some lunch and a nice nap. It all started out just fine. The line wasn't very long. It was moving pretty fast. They had both lanes open again after a while, uh, only having one open. And then everything went south. It's kind of a long story, and it doesn't reflect well on your pastor. So I'm not going to, uh, to, to share all of the details uh, with you. But suffice it to say, I, I was not overly polite, maybe even a little aggressive, uh, did I mention I was tired and hungry? Does that make it okay? Uh, then I was uh, pulled up short. Two things happened that made me realize the error of my ways. The, the first was when the driver in the vehicle that, uh, well, I hadn't been all that courteous to him. When he, we kind of were going this way after placing our orders, and he rolled down his window and said very genuinely, you go first, pastor. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I had not recognized him. Well, I was a little sheepish after that, but then uh, to top it all off, as I was driving by our school, you know, we have the electronic uh, message sign out there, and, and here's the message that was on that sign, I think placed there just for me at that moment be like Jesus. Well, I hadn't done that. And I wasn't proud of that. It's not why I'm sharing it with you, because I'm proud of it. I'm not. Uh, but uh, maybe I should give you a little heads up. I'm heading over to McDonald's for coffee uh, right after this service. <laughs> but you don't have to worry. I am no longer... Seriously, I'm no longer excusing myself for being impatient with people in the drive through lane at, at McDonald's and, and hopefully nowhere else. And, and I'm, I'm committing myself to be more like Jesus while I'm in that line. Maybe more than that. This morning, um, before the early service, I was taking a little walk around the church enjoying the beautiful morning and, and admiring the great work of our church beautification committee. They do such wonderful work. And it wasn't so long ago that right out here on the drive, they put some benches and uh, I sat in one of those and then kind of looked around and noticed what I had seen before, but really hadn't paid that much attention to. And, and that's, there's nine, um, I guess they're landscaping stones, and on each one of them is engraved a, a different fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. You remember those fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That sounds a lot like Jesus doesn't it? And so maybe, um, maybe this week, I, maybe this week we can take just one or two of those, or maybe more if we're really ambitious. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Maybe one of those attributes of Jesus that St. Paul in Galatians says is, is a fruit of the Spirit for all who, who have faith in Jesus Maybe we can emphasize one or more of those a little bit more in our lives this week. A small thing? Probably. But not insignificant. 
if I can be more consistently like Jesus, I can more effectively witness to Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? As we live out our lives of faith, we point out our Savior to those around us. And there's no greater service that we can render to him. That was his purpose in taking us, in not taking us right away to be with him. He left us for a reason and for a purpose. And did you get the last one? He left us for a while. He's coming back. And aren't we glad for that? And when he comes back, it will be to a new creation that is so beautifully and vividly described in the book of Revelation. I don't know if you like that book or not. It can certainly be a, be a, a very complicated one, a difficult one in, in many respects. All kinds of symbolism in there. And we heard that again this morning as the vicar was, was reading that lesson. But yet that book is, is also very simple at least in one way, as it describes the world that will be the world that once was. See, the Bible is arranged that way on purpose. From the beginning verses of Genesis to the concluding vision of Revelation. The new heaven and the new earth of of Revelation will be just like the old heavens and the old earth of Genesis. God's original creation before people ruined it by foolishly giving in to Satan's temptation to sin. The Bible tells us that God is at work in our world and in our history to take us back to the beginning of history, to a world unspoiled and unsoiled by sin. So that we will end up where we began. That's the world made possible by Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. That's the way the world will be when Christ returns. And the way it will remain for all eternity. Until that day, we are left behind. For a reason. For a purpose. And best of all, just for a while. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.